to Quest for Faith. I'm Stephanie Clinton, your introduction host. In today's episode, Reverend Tom Lida will be exploring how we use and understand the Bible. But first, let's see what's coming up in the life of the church. This Sunday is Baptism Sunday. Several young people from the Baptism and Membership class will take part in the celebration of baptism this weekend. Please join us in welcoming these precious souls to the family of Christ. Guess who's coming to dinner? They're coming Saturday, April 29th. It is a fellowship opportunity that takes place at the homes of those who are hosting the dinner, and it's a great way to meet and get to know church members that you may not already know. If you're interested in attending Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, please RSVP by calling the church office or online by going to fcc.link dinner. Remember when you were little and sat through Sunday morning services bored to tears? Maybe using the hymnal as a flat surface to draw on the bulletin with a tiny pencil you found in the pew back? Was that just me? Well, maybe now you have small children who need to stay occupied during the Sunday morning service. The Disciple Women's Ministry have assembled bags just for this instance. Colorful bags filled with activities to be used during the service can be found in the narthex at the back of the sanctuary. Please feel free to pick one up before the service starts and give your kiddo something to keep them occupied other than the bulletin and a tiny pencil. The Charm Group will be taking a field trip to the state capitol on Monday, April 17th for a tour of the capitol from our very own church member, Senator Mary Boren. Lunch will follow. Please RSVP to Stephanie Gassaway in the church office to secure your seat on the bus. The Christian Church Disciples of Christ General Assembly will be held in Louisville, Kentucky on July 29th through August 1st this summer. Each church is entitled to a certain number of delegates who will represent the church at General Assembly. Delegates are to be active members of their church. If you have an interest in serving as a delegate for FCC Norman for the General Assembly or have questions about it, please contact Rev. David Spain in the church office. And now... For this lesson in biblical intuition. Hello, for this episode of the Quest for Faith podcast, we are we are going to have two episodes that are connected here in April of 2023. And the primary resource for both episodes has to do with an organization called the Bible Project. And it was um, The genesis of the Bible Project, it it began in 2014. It's at thebibleproject.com. And John Collins and Tim Mackey, they were roommates at Multnomah University. You may be familiar with Multnomah Falls. That's right along the Columbia River. And Tim and John, their message or their hope, their vision is to inspire the next generation to explore the Bible through mediums in which they have been raised, visual storytelling and technology. So John Collins, he has the biblical scholarly understanding and John Collins is a visual storyteller. So the Bible project and the paradigm has to do with engaging the Bible. And the paradigm is an attempt to read the Bible the way it was designed to be read. Many times when we come to a text, 
with our own presuppositions or expectations, we often misunderstand what the Bible was designed to communicate, or we misuse the text to do things for which it wasn't designed. So we're going to use um, the, the paradigm, and the paradigm will be stated as a presupposition, and then the bridge between the presupposition, which is the paradigm, and the paradigm shift is an intuitive understanding. It's called good intuition. So we're working on, or I'm presenting, shifting the paradigm. And when people come to the Bible, they will bring with them their own paradigms that need to be deconstructed. Most of these paradigms have good intuitions behind them, but ultimately they don't reflect what the Bible actually is. And it's bringing together, I want to be clear that this is not a a supersessionistic understanding of Scripture where the New Testament trumps the Old Testament, but it's a both and. Uh, keeping the integrity of the Hebrew scriptures, Christian scriptures, and how to engage scripture where the integrity is upheld for both testaments. So when uh, most, most of the, these paradigms have good intuitions behind them, like I said, but they don't reflect what the Bible actually is. So the core, there is a core paradigm that sees the Bible, for example, as a reference book. And it gets expressed in a few different ways. The reference book approach to the Bible is often expressed through seeing the Bible as a a theological or a theology dictionary, a moral handbook or rule book, a devotional grab bag. So the reference book approach uh, to the Bible sees the Bible as a book that one can refer to when they have questions, a need or are confused about something. And this mentality is expressed in a number of ways in in Christian traditions, for example. Let's look at a few of them uh, that I'll mention and understand the intuition behind them and what needs to shift. So you have the paradigm I'm going to present, the intuitive nature of it, the bridge, and then the paradigm shift. So first, here's the first paradigm, the Bible as a theology dictionary. Here's the paradigm. The Bible exists to give me precise definitions that about theological issues. And then the intuitive part, the bridge, the deconstruction has to do with the Bible is designed to shape my view of reality and what is true about the world, God, myself, and others. And here's the paradigm shift. We need to move from the idea that the Bible teaches us truth about theological topics to the idea that the Bible is meditation literature. The Bible as a moral handbook is another paradigm. Here's the paradigm stated. The Bible exists to give me clear rules from God about how to live. Good intuition. Here's the bridge. The Bible must instruct me on how to flourish as a human and be in right relationship with God and others. And here's the paradigm shift. We need to move from the idea of the Bible as a rule book to the Bible as wisdom literature that can transform our character through God's Spirit. 
And here's another paradigm. The Bible as a devotional grab bag. Here's the paradigm. The Bible exists to find personal inspiration and connection to God so I can pick and choose what inspires me and makes me feel God's presence. Here's the intuitive part of that paradigm. The Bible is designed to connect us to the living God and God's purposes in the world. Here's the paradigm shift. We need to move from the idea that we can pick and choose how the Bible should influence our own individual lives to seeing the Bible as inspired literature that is meant to be read and reflected on in community to discover how our lives fit into the grand story of God's purposes for creation. And First Christian Church of Norman, Oklahoma, the community aspect is very influential, very influential. In fact, we are a community joined together in a reverent, thoughtful, loving quest for faith. And part of that journey, an integral part, is Scripture. And so we're going to look at the both-and nature of Scripture, that defining the paradigm even further. The Bible is human and divine literature. The Bible is a true collaboration between humanity and God. And by exploring the Bible's humanity, we discover its divinity. And when we confess the Bible's divinity, it transforms our humanity. Now, this conviction is rooted in the portrait, the Bible is human and divine literature. It's rooted in the portrait of the Spirit of God throughout the Bible. On page one of Genesis, for example, we're introduced to the Rahuk Elohim, the invisible, personal, vitalizing presence of the Creator who engages the dark disorder and brings about order, life, and beauty. Aside from, from this first appearance in the pre-creation state, every other time the Spirit is depicted as being at work in creation, it is in and through God's human partners. Joseph is the interpreter of Pharaoh's dreams and the economic times. Bezalel is an artisan who designs and creates the micro-Eden of the tabernacle of God. The Spirit empowers Moses and the elders to lead the people. The Spirit empowers leaders to deliver Israel from their enemies. The Messiah is expected to be empowered by the Spirit of God. God speaks to God's people through the prophets who are prompted by the Spirit. So God works with human partners in and through the Spirit, not to override or diminish human agency, but to empower people to become vehicles of God's purposes here on earth. Let me present another example. When Jesus and Paul use the phrase, Word of God, they are referring to this divine human partnership in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, often misinterpreted, misused, Paul calls, calls the scriptures, his Greek Old Testament scrolls, theosnustos, theosnustos, and, and it's God-spirited. So the implications of that are, within the biblical text, God's meaning and the human author's meaning are not different things. 
They're not different things. In order to understand the meaning of these texts, we, or at least somebody, needs to learn the language, culture, and literary conventions of these ancient Jewish texts. The very human history of how these texts came into existence is not at odds with the conviction that they are a divine word to God's people. We should expect the Bible's history to be just as complicated, exciting, and puzzling as any other event in human history, and understanding the aspect of the collaboration between humanity and God that does not lead one to infallibility of Scripture or literal interpretations of Scripture. What um, the journey within community influences how we live into Scripture, how we interpret Scripture. Because I disagree with some of Paul's writings. Um, some of the other Scripture stories are very difficult to um, understand. So uh, it's, it's a both and in the sense that we are part of God's story, and God's story is part of us. So the Bible is unified literature. And the Bible has many authors, literary styles and themes. And there are two large uh, literary collections in the Bible, the Hebrew Bible and the New Testament, and each has its own unique formation history. These collections are unified in terms of editorial history and content, theme, story. The Hebrew Bible is a collection of scrolls that was over a thousand years in the making, bringing together literature from many periods of ancient Israelite history and culture. And some of the key features of the formation history of, of the Hebrew Bible, we have Moses, the first mentioned writer of the biblical text, then the prophets and the mold of Moses, the Israelite exile and return with Ezra, the priestly scribe, the macro organization of the Tanakh. The, three, the Tanakh is the three divisions of the Hebrew Bible, the Torah, prophets, and writings. Then you have the New Testament is a collection of Jewish texts from the second half of the first century. They were written within decades of each other, all by people connected to the first generation of leaders in the Jesus movement. So each work originated independently, uh, though with the Gospels and some letters of Paul, there was interdependence, is the way I would put that, the interdependence of, of Scripture. But within 50 years, they were being collected and circulated together. The process of reception of the New Testament works continued for over two centuries and was validated officially only much later while the sheer influence of these texts created their own momentum in their early years. They had a life of their own, so to speak. Now, if we move from, under, uh, well, if we include, not move from, the Bible is unified literature, here's a couple of illustrations. The, the Hebrew Bible is like a grove of aspen trees. Coming, and these aspen trees coming from the same root ball, genetically identical and interconnected on a deep level, but sprouting in various places and at different sizes and rates. Hebrew Bible. The New Testament is like a collection of potted trees, 
that were all planted by the founders who were inspired by one master gardener that taught them everything they knew. As the trees grew, they were grouped together. And the implications of those two illustrations are that both collections, the Hebrew Bible, the New Testament, are unified editorially and compositionally, Hebrew Bible, and thematically in terms of content, the New Testament. Let me say that again. Both collections are unified editorially and compositionally, the Hebrew Bible, and thematically in terms of content, the New Testament. These collections are not homogenous in many ways, and they show their diversity on every page. The unity of Scripture is a type that can tolerate. The unity of Scriptures is a, is a way, uh, is a type of writings that can tolerate a lot of diversity, historical, theological, and ethical differences. And I wish I had more time to talk, to explain that uh, in a deeper way, but next time, the next episode, we will get into how uh, the Bible is ancient literature, as ancient literature, and collectivism and individualism, honor and shame, and some other parts of the scripture, and purity and pollution. The Bible is meditation literature. Uh, I hope you enjoyed some of the the thoughts today, uh, the understanding of the Bible as uh, a doorway and the inclusivity of including the Old Testament, New Testament, and not having the New Testament trump the Old Testament, which is supersessionism. Uh, but it's a unified story and how there are formational uh, experiences that includes the Bible as human and divine literature. Uh, thank you very much, and we'll see you next time.